Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by their good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Phil Kirpin is the president of American Commitment. We'll be talking about drug price controls and whether they're harmful or helpful to seniors. Seat Modley is the founder and president of Less Government, and uh, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is December the 9th, and on this day in 1992, 1,800 United States Marines arrived in Mogadishu, Somalia, to spearhead a national or multinational force aimed at restoring order in the conflict-ridden country. Following centuries of colonial rule by countries including Portugal, Britain, and Italy, Mogadishu became the capital of an independent Somali in 1960. Less than 10 years later, a military group led by Major General Mohamed Saeed Bar seized power and uh, declared Somalia a socialist state. A drought in the mid-70s, combined with an unsuccessful rebellion by ethnic Somalis in a neighboring province of Ethiopia, to deprive many of food and shelter, by 1981, close to 2 million of the country's inhabitants were homeless through a peace accord, uh, was, though a peace accord was signed with Ethiopia in 1988. Fighting increased between the rival clans within Somalia, and in January 1991, Barr was forced to flee the capital. Over the next 23 months, Somalia's civil war was killed some 50,000 folks along with 300,000, died of starvation at the United Nations peacekeeping forces, struggled in vain to restore order and provide relief amid the chaos of war. In early December 1992, outgoing U.S. President George H.W. Bush sent a contingent of Marines to Mogadishu as part of a mission dubbed Operation Restore Hope. Backed by U.S. troops, international aid workers were soon able to restore food distribution and other humanitarian aid operations. Sporadic violence continued, including the murder of 24 U.N. soldiers from Pakistan in 1993. As a result, the U.N. authorized the arrest of uh, General Mohammed Farah Adid, leader of one of the rebel clans. On October the 3rd, 1993, during an attempt to make the arrest, rebels shot down two U.S. Army Black Hawk helicopters and killed 18 American soldiers. As a horrified TV viewers watched images of the bloodshed, including footage of Adid's supporters dragging the body of one dead soldier through the streets of Mogadishu, cheering, President Bill Clinton immediately gave an order for all American soldiers to withdraw from Somalia by March the 31st, 1994. Other Western nations followed suit, and with the last uh, UN peacekeepers left in 1995, ending a mission that had cost more than $2 billion dollars, Mogadishu still lacked a functioning government. A ceasefire accord signed in Kenya in 2002 failed to put a stop to the violence, though a new parliament was convened in 2004. International entanglements don't work for the United States. I think we see less in time and time again. And right now, of course, we're preparing to create some sort of conflict with Russia over the Ukraine. Makes no sense at all. Well, a historically high number of people quit their jobs in October, according to data released by the Department of Labor on Wednesday. Some 4.2 million workers quit their jobs in October, down from a record of 4.4 million the month before. 
The previous all-time high represented the most people quitting since the United States began keeping records of the statistic about two decades ago and is equivalent to about 3% of the country's workforce. The rate measures the number of people who voluntarily left their jobs, including those who left their job for another one, and people who quit and who are confident they will soon find employment given the tight labor market. This report once again shows strong demand for employers leading to a hot labor market. The bargaining table is still tilted more towards workers than it's been in the past. The market for new hires continues to be quite tight, said Nick Bunker, indeed hire uh, lab director of research. The number of jobs openings increased from the month before with about uh, 11 million openings in October, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Job openings increased by the largest margin in the accommodation and food service space, followed by non-durable goods and manufacturing. Openings also increased in educational services as well. As of October, demand for workers was strong, resulting in uh, many opportunities for them. However, these data cover a period before the existence of the Omicron variant was ever known. We'll have to see how much the labor market handles the latest pandemic, uh, Bunker said. The news comes on the heels of a worse-than-anticipated jobs report. The uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics added just 210,000 new jobs in November, much fewer than the half-million economists had predicted. Despite the meager gains, the uh, unemployment rate ticked down slightly to 4.2%, The U.S. is still millions of jobs short of where it had been prior to COVID-19 pandemic when unemployment was at a record 3.5 percent and it had another in excess of 4 million workers on the job. Uh, That uh, unemployment figure is uh, misleading. Uh, Of course, with people dropping out of the workforce, it uh, would be much higher if, in fact, they were looking for jobs. The House voted Tuesday to approve a $778 billion defense policy and budget, uh, authorizing $25 billion more in defense spending than requested by Biden. Uh, The bill also contains provisions to create a commission on the war in Afghanistan, as well as to pay raises for troops and money for military construction, ships, and aircraft. The National Defense Authorization Act passed 363 to 70, backed by the majority of both Democrats and Republicans. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he expects the Senate to pass it without amendments. The legislation would establish a 16-member bipartisan commission to study U.S. involvement in Afghanistan from 2001 to 21. Commissioners would report to Congress on their progress each year and submit a report containing detailed findings, recommendations, and lessons learned. That according to the Wall Street Journal. $25 billion more than requested by the President of the United States. Well, it's only money, right? Hmm. Well, the Senate voted Wednesday to repeal a, uh, President Biden's federal COVID-19 vaccine mandate for private businesses. The final vote was 52 to 48. Moderate Democrat Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and John Tester of Montana joined Republicans to vote in favor of the repeal. Even with Senate approval, the GOP-backed resolution is unlikely to overturn the mandate. The Democrat-controlled House is not expected to take up the measure. And, of course, even if they did and passed it, President Biden would likely veto the bill if it was cleared uh, through Congress. Republicans bought uh, the repeal to the Senate floor under the Congressional Review Act, which allows Congress to review presidential executive orders. Uh, Even though this was not going to go anywhere in terms of law, I think it's a significant contribution to uh, stating how people feel about these mandates. And the president is way out of line and certainly unconstitutional with regard to the mandates. 
Hopefully these court uh, cases will be resolved soon so people will have some understanding about, I think it will go a long way to increasing people who are going back to work and uh, the personal happiness of uh, the American people if the mandates don't exist. Hispanic voters have the most, uh, for the most part, have been Democrat Party stronghold, but a new poll finds that demo- uh, demographic is still steadily moving to the right amid President Biden's widespread unpopularity. A new poll from the Wall Street Journal found that Hispanic voters are now split between Republicans and Democrats on the ge- uh, generic ballot at 37 percent. A further 22 percent responded they were undecided. Latinos are more and more becoming swing voters. They're a swing vote that is going to have to fight for, said John Anazoni, a Democrat and one of the pollsters who contributed to the survey. Hispanics were also divided nearly evenly on the question of the 2024 presidential rematch. In an identical election between President Biden and former President Trump, 44 stated they would vote for Biden, while 43 percent said they'd vote for Trump. That's a big change from previous polls. Hispanic men were solidly behind Trump, while Hispanic women were more likely to back Biden in the hypothetical matchup the poll showed. You see in this poll that there's a group of Hispanic men who are, were without a doubt enticed by Trump and have become more Republican. Republicans gained in the demographic have been especially clear in Hispanic-heavy communities in South Texas. So interesting. So uh, bringing the Hispanics in and thinking they're all going to become Democrats, I think they, there is a second take on all of this. And clearly these people are leaving corrupt uh, socialist regimes in South America and Central America. I think they would prefer to have freedom and opportunity in America as opposed to socialism. This year has seen the highest number of law enforcement officers shot and killed ever, and there's still a month to go, or a couple months, a month, the Fraternal Order of Police today uh, revealed that 58 police have been gunned down, 314 officers have been shot, and ambushes have jumped 126%. The grim figures come as crime is surging across the nation but receiving little attention from D.C. or the White House. The police union and associated groups have blamed the growing lack of respect and funding of law enforcement for the spike in attacks. The group also called on Congress to help pass the Protect and Serve Act, which would punish those who attack the police. Uh, just uh, another symptom, a litmus test for what's happening in America, the lack of regard for the rule of law. And this is it's very systemic. It's very deep in our society. We need to turn that around. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website and give them a call. Johnson'sAirConditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is LifeInNaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service. 
fabulous food and a rockin' good time, Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be able to connect you to whatever service or activity. And even if the person doesn't want to come out for socialization, if they have a question about, um, hey, where do I go for transportation? Where do I go for uh, a certain health care? If they have a need, we are able to point them in that direction through our information and referral service. So we're more than happy to assist in that as well. To find out more, visit CallYourSeniorResources.org. That's CallYourSeniorResources.org or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and I hope you'll check it out. You can find out more and download the app by going to the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of a terrific organization. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, we are a, a 501c3 not-for-profit coalition. Um, now have well over 110,000 people in our active support base, and we focus on K through 12 education. Um, uh, what that means is we, we're really fighting to expand uh, school choice options for our kids. Uh, we're fighting to get rid of critical race theory, and uh, in the pornography that's in our schools, but we're also very focused on solutions. So we've been promoting uh, things like the Hope Scholarship and some of the other uh, voucher programs that uh, Florida have that give uh, kids an opportunity to uh, get a better education. Yeah, no, I just can't uh, speak highly enough about the Florida Citizens Alliance and the work that you and Pastor Rick have done in, in the last 10 years in terms of promoting the quality of education and choice here in the state of Florida. And I encourage our listeners to visit the website, goflca.com. And, of course, make a year in comp comp uh, contribution as well, goflca.com. Big event coming up to, uh, tonight. 
Yes, we do. Uh, it's our. We've been doing a constitutional series, and, and the title of the series has been Politics and Power Versus People's Rights. And tonight is our, our third uh, event, and we've combined it with a Christmas party. Um, so um, it's it's open to the to the public, obviously, and uh, you can register. It's, it's a $29 fee. But the really exciting part about this, I think uh, there's two aspects that are really exciting from my perspective. One, uh, our keynote speaker is General Jerry Boykin. Mm. And for your uh, listeners who may not know who uh, General Boykin is, uh, he was the Delta Force commander for Black Hawk Down in, in Mogadishu and then rose to be a three-star general uh, until Obama relieved him. For And so he was in charge of all of our uh, special forces. Um, amazing guy. Yeah. He's now he's now an executive director with the Family Research Council and uh, an ordained minister, believe it or not. Hmm. And uh, he's just... Uh, got some really interesting stories about what's happened and uh, a really neat perspective on you know politics and power so uh, I think um, I think people would be um, you know they just have a great opportunity to meet uh, a true patriot absolutely and be along among like-minded folks it's a terrific opportunity again at silver spot tonight and what time does the event start starts uh, at six o'clock. Um, the other really, I said there were two exciting things. The other exciting thing that we've been built into this series is that we have, uh, we really tried to, uh, are trying to reach out to 11th and 12th graders who, when you stop and think about it, are, are uh, you know, they're going to have the opportunity to vote in the 2024 election. And so, um, we've been doing an essay contest and, um, tonight we're going to be giving away our third thousand dollar scholarship. We've, we've given away two so far, one in each of the prior events. Uh, tonight's our third event. And, uh, we've had a pretty good turnout this time. Uh, uh it's uh, our turnout of students uh, applying hmm. the words catching on. And we've, uh, we've tripled the number of uh, folks that, uh, that submitted contests. So. It's exciting, and uh, it's an opportunity to, for our young kids to to, to hear about uh, some of these fundamentals, uh, you know, foundational issues. Yeah, and creating some real motivation for young people to get involved and understand uh, the republic for which we should be uh, so grateful indeed. By the way, today is the uh, uh, 21st, 22nd, or 32nd anniversary of uh, Mogadishu and the invasion of Black Hawk Down. Sadly, just by ironically, but uh, again, uh, General Boykin will be a very interesting speaker to hear for sure. Hey, and, and speaking of which, you've got another event coming up in March. Yes, uh, this is our major uh, annual gala event. Um, your listeners will remember last year we had Ben Carson and uh, J Jerry Boykin, and General Boykin was there as well. Uh, this year, uh, we have we just added a new speaker. Um, the two primary speakers are Dennis Prager and Charlie Kirk. Wow. And it's, it's the first time that we're aware of, and we've asked them, it's the first time they've been on stage together. Um, you know, they've been at, at different events individually, but this is the first time they're going to be uh, at an event on stage together. And then we just added uh, Seth Dillon, um, Babylon B um, hmm. fellow, uh, you know, who runs Babylon B. Uh, so he'll be... Uh, kind of the nightcap to to lighten the mood uh you know he's just uh, he writes satire yeah and he's just a really funny guy i had the opportunity to attend uh, an event that he spoke at um you know back in september and 
It was really funny. Well, uh, you so. know, a few laughs are needed right now in this political climate, <laughs> so it's a, it's a nice relief indeed. Now, all this information is on the website, including a very robust website, very informative website. I just want to encourage our listeners to visit goflca.com, goflca.com. Also get tickets for tonight. It'll be a terrific event uh, featuring General Boykin as well as a great event coming up in March. Uh, get tickets for that as well. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, have a great weekend. Um, join us tonight, Bob, if you can. I certainly will. Thank you so much, Keith. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye-bye. All right, well, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Phil Kirpin. Phil is the president of American Commitment. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, not only building a wonderful performing arts center in downtown Naples, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best, terrific uh, performances and shows, and I hope you'll get tickets now by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Phil Kirpin, who is the president of American Commitment. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Phil. Tell us about American Commitment. 
Well, we're a national free market advocacy group. We work really on all of the fiscal, economic, and regulatory issues, and we try to engage the fights uh, that are not uh, predetermined the outcome, where it really could go either way, and if you can get a little bit more citizen involvement, uh, we can maybe tip some of these fights in a more free market direction, and uh, all our stuff is on the web at AmericanCommitment.org. AmericanCommitment.org is the website. Now, you've written a column, uh, Drug Price Controls Would Hurt Seniors in Our Free Market Economy. Most people would think, hey, lower drug prices would be really helpful to seniors. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, this is one of the provisions in the gigantic uh, Build Back Better bill that uh, hasn't got very much attention, and when it has, uh, it's been really misrepresented. And the, um, you know, the word that the proponents of the bill like to use is negotiation. They say, oh, we're going to negotiate drug prices, and everyone loves that. It pulls, you know, 90% of people, great, they're going to negotiate. Everyone's for that. Uh, but if you look at the provision in the bill, it's not a real negotiation because the way it works is uh, the government tells the manufacturer, this is what we think the price should be. And the manufacturer can propose their own price, they can respond, and then the secretary of HHS can respond again. But the bottom line is if the manufacturer does not accept the Secretary of Health and Human Services price, they are subject to a tax that is up to 95%, it phases in, but eventually it becomes 95% of that product's total sales, huh. uh, which, um, of course, the revenue estimate from that tax is zero because no company can ever afford to pay that tax. It would be completely ruinous. Um, by the way, a, a tax of 95% of total sales is much more than a 100% uh, tax on income because, uh, you know, it's, uh, the, you know, it's it's a it's on total sales. So it's deceptive even uh, on its own terms because right. of the way they have the denominator set up. So in other words, you know it's it's not a negotiation. It's this is the price, and if you don't like it, we'll tax you into oblivion. We'll completely destroy you using the government's taxation power. And the problem with that uh, is the problem with any price control, uh, which is that it causes shortages. And in the context of prescription drugs, the shortage that it will cause is of new cures. And so. From the perspective of seniors, you know, it, we, we need to find ways to lower prices that don't undercut the incentives to develop new cures and to bring them to market because we, want, we need breakthrough uh, cures and treatments, particularly for Alzheimer's and other chronic conditions uh, that are associated with old age because otherwise uh, not only are we going to have much worse health outcomes, but we're, we're going we're to be wiped out fiscally also because of the long-term care costs associated with baby boomers uh, all hitting retirement. And so it's really important to keep the incentives right to develop new cures and bring them to market. And, and if the government tries to cheat, tries to take a shortcut of just cutting prices uh, by, by government decree, they're going to really disrupt the incentives to develop new cures, and it's going to hurt seniors much more than it helps them, in my judgment. And, and you know, there's a sort of a common-sense test for this, Bob, which is, you know, they, they claim to take about $200 billion dollars out of Medicare prescription drug spending in this bill and divert it, you know, to new government programs. I don't think anyone who thinks about it uh, for, a for a minute or two uh, and has any common sense thinks that you're going to get the same amount of benefit from a program that has $200 billion drained out of it. Uh, and, and, of course, that's true. We're going to get a lot less new drugs as a consequence of that. And, and that's why it's bad for seniors. And, you know, the second part of that title, why it's bad for the free market. Well, I mean, I think that if you have, uh, if they get away with 
you know, oh, people don't like drugs, they're too expensive, we're just going to have government set the price, uh, essentially, under the threat of a, to, of a uh, punitive, destructive tax. If they get away with that, without much of a backlash, it's not going to stay limited to prescription drugs, because mm. there's so many other things that prices are rising right now, and politicians like simple answers much more than they like real solutions. And so, you know, if they get away with this without much of a backlash, it's not that big a step to say, oh, we're going to start putting price controls on cars because auto prices are going up dramatically, and we're going to start putting price controls on uh, groceries because people are too angry about what's happening at the grocery store. And, and I think it's a relatively short step uh, to go from this to, to some kind of generalized wage and price controls like Nixon tried, because as much of an economic disaster as that was, it worked politically, mm-hmm. because in the short term, you can hold down prices before you cause all the shortages and dislocations, and maybe the short term gets you through an election. Also sounds like a, a, another step towards a single-payer system <laughs> for uh, more control over health care as well. Yeah, cur- that's true. And, but also, Bob, you know, the thing is about government setting prices is pr- they'll probably set them too low, and it'll cause the problems I just talked about, but they might set them too high mm-hmm. because they're subject to lobbying pressure. I mean, you look at what... Uh, you look at what the federal government is paying for Merck's uh, COVID pill, which was basically the Department of Defense negotiated that price with the manufacturer. They're paying, they're paying $710 for a 10-pill course of something that's about 30% effective, which is about the same effectiveness as a $5 generic Luvox prescription. Hmm. And so, you know, you kind of want, you know, the one thing you know for sure is that with a politicized system, you're not going to get the right price. It might be too low and cause the problems associated with shortages and so forth. It might be too high, though, because it might be subject to corrupt influence, and then you know, taxpayers end up getting ripped off. That's the other possibility. Yeah, great point. I hadn't even thought about that. So here, this, uh, this uh, portion of the bill, it's just buried in this mammoth bill, and there's so many other things wrong with this bill. That, uh, so uh, wh- what can we do about this? How, how can we make our voices heard and complain about this? Well, uh, it's... It, you know, the key in the Senate is a handful of senators that are balking at some of these provisions. Everyone knows about Manchin and Cinema, and uh, Cinema in particular has a big problem with the prescription drug provision, and so ah. this is one of the things that she's balking at. Uh, and I, the the other senator who had objected previously to this provision is Bob Menendez, because so many of the pharmaceutical companies are in New Jersey. Uh, you know, sometimes these guys do the right thing for the wrong reason, and just for constituent service reasons, he was against this. But uh, they basically convinced him that because it's only 10 drugs that they're doing it for, that that makes it okay, as if uh, it wouldn't expand over time and as if that isn't, uh, you know, bad enough in itself. Uh, so, I mean, basically, you know, you've got two senators in Florida who are going to be against almost everything in this bill. So you can't do a lot directly. You and your listeners can't do a lot directly to stop this thing, but what you can do is, you know, think about, do you know anyone in West Virginia? Do you know anyone in Arizona or New Jersey or any state, uh, Montana, where John Tester just voted with Republicans on, uh, you know, against the uh, OSHA mandate last night? Anyone who's got one of these senators that might, one of these Democratic senators who might be persuaded, they need to hear from their constituents. So in a state like yours, it's a bit of a bank shot. You can't really call directly. Your guys are already good. Mm-hmm. But you got to think about, you know, which senators can be convinced and who do I know in those states? Well, that, that's very helpful, Phil. But the other side to this is that we, we all know that we pay too much for uh, drugs right now here in the United States versus Canada and other nations. Uh, any thoughts about which way we could go in order to lower uh, drug prices? 
Well, I, I think there are really two things that we need to focus on. One is to the point that you just made. Uh, we've got to convince other rich countries to pay more uh, towards the cost of research and development. They largely get a free ride on us now because they have government set prices. They can get away with it because we shoulder the burden of R&D in this country. Uh, if we stopped doing that, there would be no moving vehicle for anyone to get a free ride off of. Mm -hmm. But we really do need to, in the trade negotiation context, get these countries to loosen their price controls and to pay more, uh, which would do one of two things. Either our prices would come down as there's a new equilibrium to cover those R&D costs, or, and this might be more likely and even better, we'll just get a lot more new drugs developed because the return on investment will be better. You get more capital investment because you're able to get a market return in other countries. So breaking foreign price controls uh, in the trade negotiation context is crucial. And, and uh, people say it can't be done, but, you know, Trump almost did it. I mean, he got Canada and Mexico to agree to pay more for biotech drugs uh, with a longer data exclusivity period. Uh, and it was Nancy Pelosi who insisted that be taken out of the USMCA because she said, I don't want them making any more money, even if it's from other countries. And so that was kind of an insane episode. But what it showed is that when you really try and you make it a factor in the trade negotiations, you can make progress on that front. So that is not impossible, as many people have claimed that it is, uh, to get other countries to pay more and kind of meet in the middle. We pay less. I think that that's, uh, that's the right way to deal with foreign price controls, not just to say, oh, they do it, so we should do it too. And then the second thing, and this is the most important thing, but also the most difficult, uh, we've got to make our regulatory process much less expensive, much more streamlined, much less time-consuming. We should have the same urgency to get drugs approved uh, that we had in the warp speed process for every drug. And there's no reason that cancer drugs should be any less urgent than COVID drugs. And I think that if we could streamline and and uh, and uh, make the regulatory approval process much less onerous and much less expensive, it would do two things. One, a lot of smaller companies that right now can't even contemplate going through that process without selling or doing joint ventures or getting acquired by one of the big guys, they'd be able to do it themselves, and that would mean that there would, there would be a lot more competition in terms of the number of players that can effectively bring new drugs to market. Uh, but second, it would just be much less expensive. You know, the $2.5 billion cost uh, of bringing a new drug to market on average, which I think is the last estimate from Tufts University that does it every, every few years, if you don't get that down, if you don't make it less expensive, everything else you do is just squeezing a balloon. It's going to pop out somewhere else. You're going to pay for it one way or another. And uh, that's why these gimmicks, uh, like these price controls, or even some of the gimmicks that, that Trump tried, like uh, you know, indexing to foreign prices, they don't really solve the problem, which is that it's way too expensive to get new drugs developed and approved. And uh, the, the way you deal with that is you've got to completely overhaul the FDA process to make it much simpler and cheaper to get drugs to market. Yeah, it seems to me the uh, the door is open a little bit after this emergency use authorization has occurred. Uh, maybe there's some opportunity now to address this issue. But to your point, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of interest in this whole process. And I think that would be a great outcome. Back to the major point, though, we need to fight this drug price control uh, that's being uh, offered. It will hurt seniors. And uh, if you know anybody in the, uh, these states, West Virginia, Arizona, what was the other day? Pennsylvania or New Jersey, uh, let them know. I mean, you, you can kind of. You kind of go down the list of Democrats that ever sometimes vote the right way. <laughs> Those are the ones that need to hear from people. Okay, AmericanCommitment.org. I hope you check out the website. Phil, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, have a good one. You as well, thank you. All right, coming up, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education and the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's an uphill slog. It certainly is. Now, you wrote something that is so interesting to me. Decades of our corrupt system have created today's gambling culture, and certainly we've seen a proliferation of online gambling and all kinds of state of Florida just expanding it itself. Uh, tell us about it. Well, people, the American, when the American dream dies, that hard, honest work will get you ahead, then it just becomes a crap, you know, if you view it as you're either on the inside or you're on the outside looking in, and the inside are the bigs, big banks, big business, big government, and they're croning themselves into a frenzy, and it's a closed circle, and you can't get in. Mm -hmm. And when they create an economy, which they increasingly are, that you have to play that game to, to get ahead in this country, and you see it in California. I always tell people, look at California, because that's where we'll be in 10 to 20 years. Hmm. They're racing there ahead of us, the rest of us. 
and you've got these tech oligarchs and these Hollywood moguls, and then everyone else is destitute. And you know, you got you got the maids and the servants of the big tech and the Hollywood guys that have to drive three hours to get affordable housing to to work in the big tech moguls' houses. Um, so when when that happens, when the American dream dies, it doesn't matter that you work hard and do 80 hours a week at, and come up with a good idea. You know, we've talked about various aspects of this. You invent something, you spend all your money and years of your life inventing something, and then Google steals it. Right. Or Amazon steals it. And the system is rigged to allow Google and Amazon to steal it. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't, you know, Wall Street is a rigged game. Um, uh, my latest example was in January when a bunch of Reddit users saw that um, a, a hedge fund was over leveraged on shorts on a store called GameStop. They owned like 150% worth of shorts on 100% stock. So they started buying it, <coughs> and the price was going up, and the hedge fund was hemorrhaging cash on the, on the shorts. And the, and the government came in and stopped trading on the on the stock hmm. to allow the hedge fund. To, they screwed the little guy, Reddit users, to save the giant Wall Street hedge fund. Yeah, yeah. And every aspect of the economy looks rigged. Um, you know, they're inflating the money. Well, the only people that can afford inflated money are the big tech oligarchs, the, the rich people. Um, they're they're making everything more expensive. You know, gas. Prices don't matter to the people flying private jets. Um, they're just wrecking the economy for everybody except the wealthiest of the wealthy. Well, with all of that going on, at some point you say, screw it, I'll buy a lottery ticket. I'll bet on football. Because hmm. it seems to be. And by the way, if you save money, again, they inflate it away. If you try to save it in an IRA, the government has 9 million rules. I have a self-directed IRA. It is the biggest pain in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> trying to navigate all the rules that they have. You know, I always say, the government tells you they want you to save money. They don't want you to save money. Their rules tell you that they don't want you to save money. Um, it's just everything is rigged against the average person in this country. And so at some point you go, screw it, I'll bet football. You know, I'll play the numbers. Remember how big the numbers were during the Great Depression? Uh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, you, you know, you you buy six numbers. It was basically a lottery before there was a lottery. You buy six numbers, and then the the, the gangsters release the the numbers. And if you hit four, five, or six, you won some money. Um, but you just become it becomes a hail mary long shot culture. So they think the only way to acquire anything of substance financially is to gamble. Is to is to go. You know. Not 80 hours a week every week, uh, you know, not not the hard work, the hard the slog that leads to success because it doesn't anymore. That's think. that's so interesting, Seton. I mean, it, it, I've never thought about this concept, but there's a lot to what you're saying. Quite frankly, I mean, uh, it, basically, what you're saying is, hey, for for those that have given up hope and lose lost hope that they're going to get ahead, buy a lottery ticket. Let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, go there's go for the touchdown great- from our own end zone. There's a great story out of. It was written by a Russian, and I read it. And I had a great eighth grade English teacher, and she gave us a book. It was this amazing book of short stories, and it was called The Lottery Ticket. And it's this destitute Russian family. Remember, this is when I was in eighth grade, so of course the Soviet Union still existed. 
and it's these two poor Russians, this poor Russian couple, and they buy the lottery ticket, and they match. There's like two strings of numbers to match, and they match completely the first string of numbers, and then they each go into their own heads and start imagining what life will be like with the money. And not only do they dream all these dreams of avarice and all that because they've been starving under communism for their entire lives, but then they start in their minds thinking, oh, my spouse is going to steal it from me. And they end up in their minds angry at their spouse. (laughs) I mean, they're completely into into their own heads and their own thoughts about this. And then they check the second second of numbers, they match zero, and they win nothing. Yeah, it's so interesting. And so it's, it's a psychological thing. And then, of course... Once you get into the gambling culture, we've got all these welfare programs where if you lose your money, hey, government will bail you out, and, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's completely backwards. And, of course, people with addictive personalities, and there are lots of them, um, are going to get addicted to gambling the way they get addicted to drugs. Or, you know, my aunt had a great line. She said, you know why I never tried cocaine? Because I knew I'd love it, and I'd do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I just never did it. So- um but see, what's, what's kind of interesting about this is the, the irony is this, uh, the uh, Democrats are selling, look, if you vote for us, we'll give you stuff. We'll give you lots of stuff. Well, the right. stuff they give us, it just doesn't work. You, you just you take a look at inflation and what's going on for people right now. It's just separating the elite, the political elite and uh, the rich from I've, the poor. I've always said the, the, the wealth gap that all the, the, all the leftists bitch about is only as big or as small as the government is. Yeah, interesting. As, as the government gets bigger, the wealth gap gets bigger because only rich people can afford bigger government. And and so and then it, but now I was I was I read I was riffing off an Atlantic uh, article, which is a big culture, big media outlet, leftist outlet. And this guy was largely right, except for one thing. And the one thing he got wrong was he was attacking those high interest uh, bridge loans for poor people. Yeah. And that's not, you know, that's not gambling. No. Those loans are, it's Tuesday, I'm out of money, my car broke down, I don't get paid till Friday. Right. I need to fix my car to keep going to work. Yeah. So I'm going to borrow this money for 72 hours. Yes, it's a short-term loan. Yes, I have poor credit ratings because, you know, I have a 500 credit rating, so the interest rates are going to be high. But... I need the money. It's a service. It's a risk for for the lender because yeah. this guy has a 500 credit rating and not a great income. And and of course, it's ridiculous. It's antithetical to what we learned from the 2008 housing crisis when we were lending house money to everybody that right. we knew couldn't pay back. And you got folks when, like Pocahontas who are trying to prohibit these types of loans. And uh, uh, they're, they're again. They're pricing the poor people out of the lending business. That's exactly right. Seat Motley again. And so, and so he got it backwards. He he if he uh, he didn't mention the 2008 housing crisis. I said I think that fits right in line with his corruption theory. Absolutely. However, this they're not taking the 72-hour loan and betting the ponies. They're fixing their car That's so they right. can get to work. That's exactly right. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Such an interesting concept. You can find this column and a lot more interesting information on his website, lessgovernment.org. Lessgovernment.org. You also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much.
much, sir. My pleasure indeed. Coming up, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. I hope you'll check out the website, thefga.org. Doing great things, the Foundation for Government Accountability, the FGA. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, as you know, uh, over the years of hearing that pleasant, cheery voice in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Bill, how many years has it been? I think you've been on the show for close to 15 years every week. Well, pretty much as long as you've been on, I guess. Remember, we used to I used to be on Dave Elliott one day and you on one day. And uh, uh, it was it was kind of funny at the beginning. And but it must be 15 years yeah, at least. It's the long- and you're still putting up with me. That's the uh that's the key part. Nobody provides better commentary than you do, Bill, here on what's <laughs> happening here locally. Hey, Complete you, and unabridged, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, it's kind of a tragic thing that happened. This uh, Brian Rowland, uh, Crave Culinaire, uh, the owner, and just great, uh, great citizen. He's uh, just uh, a wonderful person crushed by this uh, car lift. In a, in a car dealership, and I just want to get any thoughts about Brian himself, and uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, 
it's, it's, it was a horrendous uh, um, happening, obviously, and we don't know a lot about it, but I don't think that part is, is the is the pertinent part. It's about him. And, right. you know, and uh, we're, we're all praying that uh, he's going to be OK. The last that I had heard last night was that um, he's still critical, but stable, whatever that means. Um, but I think he's getting they said he's, he's probably doing a little better, but that's that's good. But um, I, and, and as I say, all our prayers are going out to him. But I knew Brian. Um, you know, when he first started out with Skip Quillen, yeah. uh, um, and, um, he worked his way. I mean, he, he's, he's, uh, everything he's done, he's done himself and, and his disposition. I mean, he and I have always gotten along. Um, when I was mayor, I helped him with that when they were loading up for, was it Puerto Rico or Haiti, wherever it was that they were collecting all the food. Um, I, I was, uh, with him for a while then, and then. Long before that, I mean, he did a Dancing with the Stars, the local one, when they used to do that at the uh, at the uh, beach club. Um, he was one of the uh, one, a judge one time, I think. And but more importantly, or funnier, was when he was uh, actually uh, a competitor on there. And as I say, we've known each other for for many, many, many years. And you're right; everybody's right. Everybody that knows him or has even just met him yeah. walks away with a feeling of, "Oh my gosh, this guy is just a super guy." And you mentioned earlier what he's done for the community. You know, he's one of those that's um, that I, I think he, he would rather give to the community. Um, I think than sometimes I think than, than than making a living. I mean, he's busy. He has a fabulous business. And if you've ever been to any of his events that he's catered. Oh my gosh. Um, the man can certainly cook. Oh, okay. He's fabulous. And so, you know, I just, I just hope like, uh, everybody else that, that knows him, or even if you didn't know him and read about him that, uh, that he can make a full recovery. I know I'm going way out there, uh, uh but he's got to go one day at a time, obviously, and he's in good care. So, um, we'll just, uh, we'll, we'll, everybody wants news on it. And so I'm sure when you hear something, you probably hear before some of us you'll let us know well absolutely but, uh, yeah he's he's just a, a wonderful guy. by the way in that competition for dancing for the stars of the, for the literacy foundation of Cuyahoga right. county well, uh, i ended up being a contestant as well that's when i had an opportunity to get to know brian and right. uh, what a wonderful wonderful man he is and uh Oh, gosh, I just, uh, again, we have a dearth of information about what really happened to him. We don't know his condition, aside from the fact that it's critical. Uh, but uh, whatever it is, I hope he survives, not only survives, but thrives afterwards. So uh, just our prayers yeah. are with Brian. For sure. For so, sure. hey, uh, so uh, right now, what's going on in city council? Um, well, they're campaigning like maniacs. Um, <laughs> and... Um, uh, and and you know the incumbents. I mean, I haven't heard much from Ray Chrisman. He's running a, a quiet, a relatively quiet uh, uh, campaign. Um, and uh, but Terry Hutchison is like he is the uh, he is saving this community. I, I can tell you um, the the stuff that he's putting out there. Um, he, he just sent a brochure, and I had to look at it. Um, he he lists five things: strengthens strengthen variance requirements, talk no action, and he lists five of these things: fund lakes remediation, talk no action, and then he goes and he puts down adopted March 20, adopted September of 20, adopted September 20, and so it's like all of a sudden he came up with these things and he was the leader in getting them adopted. But what he doesn't say is that all these ones that were adopted, 
when do you think they started? With they you. started with our council and, yeah. and prior councils, okay? And they took a long time. A lot of them were water projects, et cetera, and were in the works anyway. So this thing, you read this, you say, man, this guy is something else. He did all that. Real <laughs> progress in the last two years, okay? And so he's, um, he's just... Uh, uh, unbelievable this the stuff that he's he's spewing out there um it's too bad we don't have a truth meter in there but anyway um they're they're going to be going hot and heavy the forums will be coming up uh and i will still tell you that i think ian rudnick is uh is a key wonderful candidate and a breath of fresh air for all of them down there you know yeah. he's um he's he's young which is something you don't hear on council other than gary <laughs> gary's leaving um and a uh, very smart 17 years police officer in Naples, knows the city, knows the people, um, and is very smart. So I'm, I'm, I'm pushing for Ian. He's All right. A, he's a well, I'd love, to, I'd love to get him on the show sometime. I need to get his contact information, though, if you're happy. We'll, we'll see that you get that for right. sure. And I think you'd enjoy talking to him and actually meeting him. Just to remind our listeners, the election is coming. I think it's, what is it, 23rd of February? No, no, no. The election, the election is... Um, is uh, February first. February first, so it's it's. So January is going to be one busy month. Yeah, it's upon sure. us. So, are, are any other uh, can do any uh, new candidates aside from Ian? Um. Well, the this Barbara Petronoff uh, announced. Um, I I consider her a one issue candidate because she's the one that was was squawking about the beach club because the pickleball courts were going to be that. Uh, on her property or near too near her and uh -huh. whatever um, and but she's corporate and she's she's uh, puts a, a very nice brochure out that uh, once again um, <laughs> she's saying a lot of things that um, that really if you were to read through the lines and everything they, they that they've been done and she's talking like everybody else about growth and what we can do to 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 slow it down and whatever well Bob I don't know what we can do with the county as you, you and i've had this conversation a million times the yeah. growth of the county uh i i, I don't um i don't know what we're going to do to slow growth down but that's not the idea the idea is to manage growth that's so, exactly um, right anyway growth is a growth is a good thing we just have to make sure it's managed properly and uh yeah the, to the best of your ability anyway and you know the city is basically built is built out and there's going to be redevelopment not new development right so that some of them understand that and some of them don't yeah bill so, barnett again former mayor of naples bill i always appreciate your commentary here on the show it's uh, just always refreshing to not only hear your voice but also find out what's on your mind thank you so much for joining us Thank you, Bob. Speak to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. You as well. Thank you. All right. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. Adam Tyner will be joining us for the uh, Thomas B. Fordham Institute about the best and worst metro areas for a school quality. We'll visit with, with David Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, and Michael Cannon. He is Director of uh, Health uh, public Health Studies at the uh, Cato Institute will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.